So, the big question is this. How are ambitious people like us, who don't have a lot of resources, did not go to Ivy League colleges, were not born into wealth, how do we become resourceful enough? Use our creativity, our dedication, and a little bit of crazy to bootstrap our way to realizing our dreams. Whether it is launching a new company, launching a new app, or making it to the top of the corporate ladder. That is the question. And this podcast will give you the answers. Please like, share, and subscribe to get new episodes, videos, and other updates. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this new episode of Bootstrapping Your Dreams Show. I'm your host, Manuj Agarwal. And today, I will be talking with a tireless entrepreneur, Connie Chi. So Connie is an impressive entrepreneur. Uh, she's a TEDx speaker, author, co-founder of Cuticon, and founder and CEO of the Chi Group, uh, which is a marketing and branding agency uh, humanizing lifestyle brands. As an avid speaker, uh, speaker, Connie regularly speaks about entrepreneurship, brand experiences, and humanizing brands. She's been featured and quoted by Business Insider, American Marketing Association, U.S. News, World Report, Reader's Digest, Yahoo Finance, Herald Tribune, BuzzFeed, Thrive Global, and many more. Uh, Connie also hosts a podcast called the Brand Academy Podcast, where she shares her secrets and insights on marketing and branding. She's also written a book called Branding Without a Brand, where she shares her expertise on taking your brand from zero to hero when no one knows you. Uh, Connie is uh, Connie graduated from uh, Baruch College in NYC, majoring in marketing and advertising communications, certified in, uh, certified in diamond grading and neuro linguistic programming, which is NLP. We are happy and honored to have uh, Connie here amongst us. Uh, welcome, Connie. Hi, how are you? Thank you so much. I am so appreciative for you guys and taking the time and having me on the show. I can't wait for our conversation. Well, the pleasure is all ours. All right, so let's dive in. Um, Before we uh, get to the nitty-gritty details of branding and marketing, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background uh, so that our audience can get to know you better? Yeah, sure. So I actually started my career in corporate, and I spent about 16 years working in the diamond industry. So I was working for a lot of these wholesale diamond miners, And I did that for 16 years and I started to be really unhappy and I realized that I wanted to start my own business, Mm -hmm. right? So basically that's uh, how the bug started, I guess. The entrepreneur bug started and fast forward, I've had three failed businesses under my belt. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm very grateful for those. And I'm just working on my fifth business. I'm out there speaking on the circuit about entrepreneurship, about brands about marketing, brand experience. And um, yeah, like you said, I wrote a book and thinking of working on a second book. Awesome. So that's basically what I have, yeah. That's great. So um, before we dive into your success uh, success, and uh, you know uh, the current business that you're running, let's talk about your failed businesses. Uh, how did that happen? And you know what were the lessons that you learned from that? And um, uh, tell us a little bit about that. that uh, yeah. Wow. There was so much that I've learned. Yeah, I think 
um, as an entrepreneur, it's like you have to fail at a, at a business or two, right? Because that's how we grow from that. So originally at one point in my life, I was thinking to myself, well, I want to be a life coach. Okay. So I started a life coach business and I realized that I'm not cut out to listen to people's problems all day long. Mm-hmm. So eventually that just kind of died out. Right. And then I moved on and I thought to myself, well, what else am I good at? Right. And being that I come from a luxury industry, I thought, well, I'm just going to do luxury concierge services. And because I didn't have the connections as far as how to get the clients. So that business went under as well. And then fast forward, you know, I decided I wanted to do marketing for yoga studios. Okay. And what I realized was that there's not a lot of opportunities there. It's a very small and segmented kind of marketplace. So unfortunately, that also failed. And, you know, throughout this journey, I learned that, you know, a lot of times as entrepreneurs, we put our self-worth into our businesses. And this is part of the journey. You have to be able to accept failed and losses to be able to really shift your own mindset and to grow from that. And I think that's like the biggest lesson is to really understand that failure isn't really failure, right? It's, it's a lot of learning that mm-hmm. requires you to go through and grow. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, if you don't make mistakes or you don't have failures, uh, there, there are not very many opportunities to learn. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right. Um, so uh, the the... Uh, the name of the show is bootstrapping your dreams and uh, we have a lot of entrepreneurs in the audience who want to bootstrap. And so, you know, this uh, concept of uh, uh, building a recognized brand, uh, you know, from nothing from zero is very uh, attractive and it it aligns well with what we are talking about uh, in general in our, in our podcast. So tell us a little bit about that. Like how do you go about building a brand from zero to hero? (laughs) So when it comes to building a brand, first and foremost, you know, it's a lot of work. It's consistency. That's the key. Mm -hmm. And in the beginning, nobody knows you. So how do you go about it? And I think for startups, especially entrepreneurs who don't have the budget, the best way to start it is through doing co-collaborations, right? So co-branding opportunities. So basically what you do is you go out and you find another brand that you can collaborate together to offer almost like a new product, but each one collectively has their own expertise. Mm. And I think the best way to do this is because, you know, a lot of times we're always struggling in the beginning. We're like, how do I get new clients, right? How do I get my first client? How do I get brand awareness and build brand equity? But when you partner up with another brand, hopefully you find one that's non-compete, So you guys can create something interesting and therefore expand your marketing efforts collectively. So that's the the first way that I would always suggest a lot of startups to go look at. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Um, So now, uh, you know, I I skipped ahead a little bit, but I think um, here it will be really good to share your views about what a brand is, because I think uh, a lot of people are a little bit confused about you know, what a brand is when we talk about brand, they just sort of have this misconception and I'm guilty of this. You know, a few years ago, I thought a brand is basically just the logo and uh, you recognize that logo and, and um, you know, that's all the value that the company's, uh, you know, providing in, in terms of their own branding. 
so can you uh, speak a little bit about that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you're right. A lot of people get this high idea of branding confused, right? And branding isn't just about your logo and a website and your colors. It's actually a lot more that goes into the aspect of branding. You have, you know, what you call the brand experience, which is also part of branding. Because as a brand, you create some sort of experience for your customers at every given moment. And that's something that's really important and then that also segues into well how is that experience on a digital front how Mm -hmm. is that experience as as an offline in-person front so Mm -hmm. that also determines part of what the meaning of your brand is and on top of that your brand's personality who is your brand you know it's not just okay this is my business here's my logo and bam you're good right no because you have to almost create like a personality and, and an identity for your brand as a person, if you think about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, so it's 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 much more than a logo. Like it's a, it's a holistic experience that you're sort of uh, giving to your customers and even even to uh, you know your uh, competitors and other uh, other factions in the society. Uh, that's awesome. So now tell us a little bit about your uh, brand story, your journey with your own company how did you realize what your brand is you know and and uh, how did you create the 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 chi group yeah so you know along the way i was i was also in a place where i just couldn't figure out how to connect better with my customers our clients and i actually took a a, a personality test um and really first of all i had to get to know myself first because i am essentially not just the face of the brand, but the creator of the brand. Mm -hmm. So I needed to understand who I was from a personality aspect. And then, you know, once you take that test, there's actually 16 different brand personalities on the marketplace. So every brand falls into one or more of these 16. And once you understand which personality you are, then you become better at serving your clients. Okay. So, for example, if we look at Johnson & Johnson, you know, they're known for what? The baby products, the, you know, some beauty products, things like that. Their brand personality is more along the lines of the caregiver. Yeah. You know, Harley Davidson, they do these bikes, right, that everybody, a lot of people love, these bikes. And yeah. they fall into the rebel category. So... Once I took this personality test, what I realized was that the primary personality for my brand is Rebel, and Mm. then followed by The Lover, and then by Hero. So that's the three different personalities that my brand holds. Nice, nice. All right. And then sort of you figured out uh, your personality, and then you aligned it with the brand's personality or the other way around and and started to build the brand in your image. Is Is that correct understanding? Right, exactly, exactly awesome. it. All right, and how? I mean, did you use the same tactics as as in uh, collaborating with other brands uh, initially? How did you like? Uh, how was that journey for you? You know, when it comes to my own agency collaborating with other brands, what I like to do is I like to look for opportunities that are outside the box, right? Mm-hmm. So it speaks to the rebel side of me, mm-hmm. and. You know, I want to collaborate with brands to create these different experiences that people probably wouldn't even have thought about. 
Wow. So that's basically, you know, I look for specifically outside the box opportunities. Nice, nice. Um, all right. And uh, now, you know, you have a personal brand, Konichi, and, and your company brand, the Chi Group. Um, how, how much overlap do these brands have? Like, are they the one, like same uh, brand personality and, and everything sort of aligns between them or are they different in some way? They actually have a lot of similarities, right? Because I am the one that has created this brand. So a lot of it spills over into the business as well. Yeah, very similar. Okay. Um, and um, in your book, uh, Branding Without a Brand, uh, you have a uh, quotation which says, uh, to know me is to know where I have been. So can you uh, explain that a little bit more? <laughs> yeah, sure. So. You know, my background was that I didn't come from a family of massive wealth, um, but I was fortunate enough where my parents did teach me the value of thinking outside the box, right? Getting creative. And most importantly, I'd say my father taught me a lot about experiences and the value of what experiences mean, whether it's good or bad. Yeah, yeah. So that was probably the foundation of where I came up with the concept of humanizing brands because our brands are essentially an experience to our customers. Yeah. You know, so I, on top of that, I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs. That's all I know most of my life was just watching all my family members just build businesses, build businesses. And that was something that I guess was ingrained in me. And then on top of that being a rebel, I've had some very interesting, uh, you know, life experiences to add to that. Nice, nice. All right. Um, okay, so uh, you brought up the rebellious part a few times. So tell, uh, you know, wh where does that come from? Like, was it from your past experience or your teenage years? Or, and how did you incorporate that into the brand? You know, I think that comes from a very strict household, right? Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I grew up, I grew up, you know, in a strict household. And of course, you know, the whole concept of being an overachiever was just kind of like, that was the theme, right? Mm -hmm. As an Asian, as an Asian entrepreneur, that was what, you know, we were taught as, as children, right? Overachieve, yeah. you have to get the triple A plus, the one yeah. A plus isn't good enough. Yeah. So, you know, with that kind of pressure as a child growing up, you eventually, you know, you think about this and you're like, well, where's the fun in it? Mm -hmm. Where's the fun in life? Because you're so busy chasing the success outcome that you're forgetting to really live life. Yeah, yeah. And that's basically where the rebellious part of me comes from because, you know, it, I think when we get to experience life to the fullest yeah. on our terms, there's something beautiful there because no one's really telling you how you're supposed to feel, how you're supposed to act, how it's supposed to look like. You get full control to create all of that. So. Yeah. You know, that's basically where it comes from for me. And, you know, and I look at it the same way in business, right? It, when you go and you work at a corporate job, you're told you have a sales quota. You yeah. have to do this by X amount of time. You have a deadline. We have a meeting every other five hours is a, a something new, yeah, yeah. you know, and it, it's frustrating for me because I don't like to function like that. So. Mm -hmm. I think the best innovation and the best inspirations come from our experiences where there's no rules because you have that opportunity to be childlike and play, right? And when you play, 
you have these ideas that formulate. And when you play with others, you have inspirations that become, you know, brilliant ideas that become movements that become a global change. Yeah. Yeah. No, very well said. And uh, it completely resonates with me because, you know, I had similar experience in my childhood. Like I grew up in very strict family, uh, East Indian family. So, you know, there's a, there's a, a lot of overlap between Chinese values and uh, Indian values and how uh, kids are brought up in, uh, in our families. So uh, being a strict, um, you know, uh, being a strict family, I, I also sort of, uh, you know, uh, grew this rebellious uh, streak in me. So I can completely resonate. And, and your point about experiences is, is again, very, um, very important, you know, whether it's negative or or positive experience. We were talking about failures earlier. That's also a, an experience that you could take it in a positive way or a negative way. Um, and then, you know, it, it's an experience that adds to your life, right? Oh, I totally agree. Absolutely agree. Yeah. Awesome. Um, all right. Now let's talk about, uh, you know, maybe uh, your opinion about some of the prominent brands that we see uh, around us, like, you know, maybe Pepsi, Coca-Cola, uh, KFC. Uh, what do you think about these brands? I mean, what what is good about them? I mean, I think most people know what is good about them, but what do you think about how they build their brand and um, what are some of the things that they could have improved upon? Yeah, I mean, if we take, for example, the KFC brand, right? The story of Colonel Sanders, I think it's one that many, many of us can relate to from an emotional aspect, right? He was selling chicken on the side of the road during the Great Depression, and that story of the underdog who ultimately wins always captures a lot of our hearts, right? Yeah. We as Americans love the underdog story. Yeah. And brands that have a story that's rich in history is one that will also resonate with a lot of customers because there's a trust factor there. Mm -hmm. But most importantly, when it comes to brand stories, many people make the mistake and they make these stories about their brands, right? Mm -hmm. When in fact you have to build in there, it's about the customer in some way. Um, if we look at Coca-Cola and you go onto their website, all they talk about is the customer, about yeah. how they can create an experience for the customer. Yeah. And I'm sure you've seen this, but I think it was like, what, a couple of years ago, they had this uh, campaign where you can have your name on a Coke bottle. Yeah, yeah. And that goes back to about their customer, right? So, you know, I think your brand story has to be really important in the part that it has to incorporate your customer. And I think both these brands do it very, very well in their own unique ways. Uh -huh. So it's definitely, you know, I kudos to them because it's, it's not easy to build a brand equity to the status that they built it and they've done yeah. a great job. Yeah, that's a, that's a unique perspective, you know, incorporating your customer in your stories. Um, that's quite unique. Uh, so thanks a lot for sharing that. Now, the next one is a little bit controversial for some people. Uh, what about uh, Apple and Steve Jobs in particular? Yeah, and I've heard all different types of opinions on this. Um, personally, I think Steve Jobs aced the brand story. He created a product that is simple, but it also gives users an option. Mm -hmm. It gives you the ability to customize, yeah. right? So the story is basically, they made things very simple for the consumer and it definitely resonates with their niche demographics. Mm -hmm. So we as humans, 
we want options, right? Yeah. You go to McDonald's, you have a small, medium, large fry. We want options. So what they did is they essentially, and this was brilliant, they essentially created a device that is, let's be honest, all you need this for is just what to make a phone call, dial in and dial out. Yeah. But they gave you options. You can do FaceTime. You can do a text message, right? You can now do all types of fun things with it. They're using facial recognition software, so you can opt to use it or not, right? Mm -hmm. And then, of course, because they give you all these options amongst options and you can customize, then it becomes a different set of challenges. You know, there's the debate about the security and privacy and all that kind of stuff. But overall, I think as a brand, Apple has definitely created something that is super amazing, you know, incorporating the simplicity and also a balance of customization into one little device. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. So, so now, uh, you know, now that Steve Jobs is not there, do you think they'll continue to, um, you know, build that, build upon that brand equity, or do you think it'll, it was basically Steve Jobs who built the brand, and now Apple needs to watch out? I think that Apple will still try to stay true to their original creation and voice, and you know, the the concept about it. But I do see that they're also moving a little bit away from it as well with each year. So it'll be interesting to see how this kind of plays out. You know, I do think that that simplicity and customization concept will still bear true going forward. Mm -hmm. All right, cool. Now, um, you brought up, uh, you know, as humans, we need uh, uh, options. So uh, and you also talk about humanizing the brand. So what do you mean exactly by humanizing the brand? And why is it important? Well, look, at the end of the day, our businesses are serving customers who are what? Humans, right? Mm -hmm. So in order to create these brands, you need to be able to resonate with your customer on some kind of level. You have to connect to the human spirit. Mm -hmm. So that's why, you know, I say humanizing a brand. And when I, when I mention that, it's because with us as people, you know, if you go anywhere in the world, emotions is a very, what, it's universal language, right? Anyone who's smiling in the world, you don't need to know the language, but you know they're happy. You know, somebody who's crying, you know they're sad. So essentially, you want to build some kind of personality into your brand, and that's why it's called humanizing brands, right? I think a lot of people, when they start their business, they're like, hey, I have a business, buy my product, it's cheaper than the competitors, and it's going to do X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. but you know, when you create that experience of a human kind of personality to your brand, you now have a dialogue, you have a conversation, you have another set of feedback that you get. So that's why humanizing brands is the theme for our agency. Awesome. And so, I mean, that that implies that you need to know your customer really well, isn't it? Like, I mean, uh, otherwise, I mean, it's going to be a one-way conversation almost. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I talk about this a lot with a lot of my clients is, you know, when it comes to knowing your customers, you, it's not enough for you to just know their demographics, right? Oh, my client is 25 years old. She's married with 1.5 pets and like 2.5 kids, college educated, has two cars over the home. Like that's not enough anymore. Oh, okay. So I, I really encourage our clients to really do some homework and go out there and understand your customers' pains, 
their wants, their desires, their dreams, their hopes? What language are they using? What kind of words are they using? What kind of phrases are they using to describe all of this? Because not every customer is going to be for your particular brand or business. So that's why you need to really go out there and do the homework to get to know who these people are. Mm-hmm. And that way you can start humanizing and being on a level where you can truly connect with them. Mm-hmm. I see. And um, so that brings up an interesting sort of logistical challenge where, uh, you know, let's say if, if somebody wants to start a startup and uh, they haven't got much yet, uh, how do they go about, you know, getting feedback from their customers, uh, future customers? And in many cases, uh, these entrepreneurs don't even know who their ideal customer is. So how do you get around this problem to, to start off with? Well, you need to first figure out you created this business to solve a problem, right? Which most, I think most entrepreneurs created businesses to solve certain problems or out of their own frustrations of not finding a solution. So you start there and you figure out, okay, what problem am I solving? And whatever that answer is, then you think to yourself, okay, this problem I'm solving, who will benefit from the problem I'm solving? Mm-hmm. And you start to build out, right, what your customer base is going to start looking like. Mm-hmm. And, you know, honestly, as a startup, they don't have all the, the money to do market research and, you know, uh, groups and things yeah. like that. So yeah. what you can do, kind of like a workaround, I'm giving you my secrets now, um, you can actually go on to sites like Quora or Reddit or even onto social media right? Mm -hmm. And start asking questions. And people will tell you, they will give you responses. And they will, you will start to end up seeing a lot of words being used over and over and over again. So that's probably going to be a very grassroots kind of way to do it. It's going to take a little bit more time, Mm -hmm. but it's worth getting to know your customer. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, um, that's, uh, that's a uh, great advice, uh, right there. So, I mean, this, this can be done on the cheap as well. It doesn't need a lot of investment other than some, uh, some, your, some of your time and, uh, sort of, you know, taking action and, and getting that feedback. So, so thanks a lot for sharing that. Um, now can you share, uh, any success stories that you've had, not, not only with your own brand, but some of your clients' brands, uh, and maybe what, what lessons can we learn from them? You know, the biggest thing with startups that they go through all the time, and I see this so many times, is they go through this whole paralysis analysis thing Uh where they want to research and and plan and contingency above contingencies. And that right there is going to be the biggest killer for Uh a lot of these brands that just, they just don't go off the ground. Right. So, You know, I think as startups, that's the one thing to try to avoid. Yes, you want to plan, you want to budget, but you don't want to spend two years budgeting and planning and then ask yourself why you don't have a business. Yeah. You know, so that's going to be the first key that I will say must, biggest lesson that I think even I myself learned when I first started my own brand. I spent six, seven, eight months planning and it just, it never got off the ground at some point or it just didn't work, mm-hmm. you know? So when it comes to successes, I think there's so many, I have so many different fun success stories um, that 
just span all throughout. But I will have to say my proudest one that thus far is we recently started to work with a actor in the movie John Wick 3. Have you seen the movie? Uh, probably not. <laughs> okay. So he's one of the actors in the movie. And we eventually, what we did is we helped them create a co-branding opportunity. So, you know, he got a chance to work with Reebok. He's going to have a chance to work with Yamaha Sports. And it's just really interesting because, you know, it's definitely something that is, if we look at him as a brand, we can take him as a business. And he's going through the motions of the co-branding, the co-collaborating. You know, those are some fun successes that I have along the way with my job. Awesome. That's great. And um, uh, let's talk about, you brought up social media earlier. Um, and, you know, a lot of brands use social media in some cases exclusively uh, to get their name out there. So what, what is your opinion? How important is social media versus some of the other traditional channels and how things are changing um, over the years? Look, social media is that necessary evil, right? If you, if you think about it. You know, it's, it's, I say evil because it's a time sucker, especially for startups and entrepreneurs who are just starting or launching their business. Mm -hmm. But it's also necessary in order to get the word out there. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the problem with social media is that everybody's creating content. It's a very noisy marketplace there. Yeah, yeah. So as a startup brand, you're moshed in with a whole other set of other brands who are trying to do the same thing. And it, you can get lost in there, especially when you're starting out. And that's the thing that, that happens often, right? So, you know, I think it's a necessary for, for us to have social media. And I think the best way to, to think about this is if you are in a very noisy marketplace and you're not able to stand out, you want to start thinking about where can you go that's not as noisy, but still has the eyeballs, right? And you brought up traditional media. So I know, I know people are going to laugh when I say this, but, you know, right now there's really not a lot of people doing like mailers. Yeah. Right. And it's, that, that, that's super, it's very old school. So as you can see, I'm dating myself. Yeah. Um, but that, that might be an option. Yeah. That might be something interesting to look at, to see how you can utilize that. That might even be cheaper. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. As opposed to buying, let's say, Instagram ads or Facebook ads, you know, especially in the beginning, you want to really make sure that your dollar is stretching and you're getting the most out of it. Yeah, you know, well, definitely. I've, I've heard this uh, direct mail uh, method from some other marketeers as well. So uh, to your point, like, you know, they're, they're saying, like, uh, look for opportunities where there's li little competition and direct mail is uh, is a good way to go about it at this stage. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. And, you know, I just think using social media is just a way to kind of solidify that message continuously over and over again. Awesome. Um, and uh, in the same tone, what do you think about social influencers? They've been in news lately with uh, some scandals. So what do you think about them and the role they play? Uh, yeah, I mean, I have to say I, I love them. Um, I think what they what they do is very creative. A lot of them are beyond creative. Um, and with brands, it's definitely beneficial to consider working with influencers. And with influencers, again, because you're on a budget, 
there's actually different types of influencers you can work with. Obviously, you have the celebrity influencers like, you know, the Kim Kardashians of the world. They're looking for, you know, sponsorships and it's expensive to work with them. So I think that as a startup entrepreneur or business, you want to start looking at working with nano influencers who have like a thousand to six thousand followers. Um, they're willing to post for free in exchange for products or services or maybe even micro influencers, you know. There's, there's so many different ways you can work with them. And I think they're really good to help you build the brand awareness initially and also to build any kind of awareness about what your brand is doing. Awesome. All right. That's great. Um, now, is there anything else uh, that, you, that I haven't asked about marketing or branding that you may want to share? No, I think you've touched on some really good points, actually. They were really great questions. Awesome. That's great. All right. Uh, now, before I let you go, can you tell us a little bit about your company and your products and services and how you help entrepreneurs build their brands? Yeah, sure. So I'm actually the founder of The Chi Group, like you mentioned, and we are a marketing and branding agency. And what we do is we create experiences. That's our sandbox. So I like to create these fun, unique, different experiences for brands, especially in the startup space, um, those that are just unique and customized to what they, they're looking to do. Mm -hmm. uh, we also do some brand management as well. So we do manage some of these brands, whether it's CPG brands, whether it's, um, you know, actors or influencers. We also do consulting. We do pop-up experience. We do ad buys. Like, we do a lot um, as an agency. Uh -huh. The other company that I co-founded was called The PewDieCon. And this is something that's going to be launching next year in July of 2020. And it's basically, it's a massive expo with everything cute from food, tech, fashion, beauty, toys, media, you name it. So it's going to be a two-day event open to the public. And yeah, it's, just, it's exciting stuff that we're working on. Well, that's great. So is, is it an offline event or is it an online event? No, it's going to be um, in an expo center. So it's offline in nice. New York City. Cool. That's very cool. And then um, for the Cheek Group, like, do you work only with big brands or big, big companies? Or uh, because as I said, like we have uh, many uh, startup entrepreneurs uh, in the audience. Like, do you think they'll have the means and budgets to work with you? Yeah. So we work with both big and small brands and startups. Uh, with the startups, we do have creative ways that we can collaborate together. And again, it depends on how much budget they have. It depends yeah. on what they're looking to do. You know, there's always creative ways to work together. And that's just my rule. <laughs> awesome. That's great. Uh, okay. So what I'll do is I'll uh, get those URLs uh, for your website and add them to the show notes so that people can reach out uh, easily and uh, contact you. Thank you so much. All right. Great. Thank you so much for uh, being here with us and sharing all your knowledge and wisdom. I'm sure everyone got a lot of value out of this interview and uh, they'll be incorporating them into their branding and marketing strategies. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. So again, I'm Manoj Agarwal and thanks a lot for joining us on Bootstrapping Your Dreams show. And now, if you are an existing or an aspiring technology entrepreneur, then I invite you to check out my new online workshop, Bootstrapping Your Tech Startup Dreams. Go to go.tetranoodle.com 
slash boot hyphen podcast and sign up for free. I want to make sure more successful and sound decisions are made every day in your tech projects. Let's start finding solutions to your problems. So go to go.tetranoodle.com slash boot hyphen podcast and I look forward to helping you with your tech startups.